To Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. Hosts Rich and Susan Kohlenberg found freedom from 25 years of out-of-control drug and alcohol addiction. They are living testimonials, and in their series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain, Rich and Susan share messages on the problems we face and how Jesus Christ is the remedy to reasoning and thinking right thoughts. Learn how to break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And once again, we'd like to welcome you to our our series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain. And for your reference, we're on Program 23, Coming Out of Egypt, Part 7. And what we've been noticing in this series is how man behaves as he's infected with fear and selfishness and how God behaves in trying to cure us. You know, the Bible is pretty much a medical record of God and how he, as a doctor, and how he treats his patients, and his patients aren't taking the medication, and, uh, you know, how gracious he is anyway. That's right. Humanity has set themselves against God, Yeah, and God is trying to reunite back with us. He's chasing after us. So we're looking at the Bible as a medical record, which is uh, very interesting. Susan, would you open the program with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the opportunity to look at your word and to look at your principles and how life is built to operate and how we have been set against you and your, your only goal is to bring us back. Lord, we pray that you will send your spirit to be with us all as we open your word and uh, seek to learn more about you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if we can remember that God is the great physician and that we're all his patients, it would be a great help to us in understanding who God is, what he's trying to accomplish as he's dealing with patients that are deviant from his original design. That's right, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we have a medical condition, and that needs a remedy. Yep, the human brain is just that, a brain infected with fear and selfishness, always wanting to choose the path of least resistance. I know I do. Uh, the fear and selfishness runs so deep that it you know, seems like we can only escape for a moment or two. You know, We get peace every now and again, but... Uh, it's tough. It's always that struggle. If, if you go to Second Peter, Second uh, Peter two verse twenty, the Bible states: If people have escaped from the corrupting forces of the world through their knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then again are caught and conquered by them, such people are in worse condition at the end than they were in the beginning. Now, why would Peter say something like that? I mean, why would they be in worse condition in the end than they would be in the beginning? Because God's angry with them? Because they were never saved? Because God has inflicted some curse on them? Because they're now in some kind of legal trouble with God? No, it's because when we do things that we know we shouldn't, we incur guilt and shame. And then the cycle of self-preservation, cycle of addiction, whatever you want to call it, it starts all over again. So let's look at what that cycle is. It's interesting, this cycle. Right. It begins with an emotion that all of us go through. Every single human being goes through it every single day. And it's pain. And the worst of which is fear. 
It's not pain, it's the fear of the pain. And in the cycle of addiction, this pain requires what? It requires self-medication, whatever form that may be. It could be a substance or it could be behavior. It, it could be... It could be shopping. It could be gossip. Right. It could be... F- it could be work. Forcing your religious views on someone. Whatever it is that makes you feel better about yourself... In 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 the in the same t- in the same breath, hurting someone else, and and in the same breath, actually hurting yourself because you're forcing your 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 will and your ways on somebody. Yeah, and and, and this self medication brings what? It brings temporary relief. Yeah, you feel good about it for a second, right? right. But it also brings negative consequences, and, and that those produced by the very nature more emotional guilt, guilt shame. shame. I, yeah, the negative consequence that, is, that it produced, uh, say you'd gossip about someone. Mm-hmm. The law of escalation says that that's not go- That's how most fights start. Someone says somebody something about someone, and they say something else about someone else, back, back and forth, and it escalates, and it escalates. And, and not only that, but it also travels. You know, it and, doesn't and just then, stay with one person. That's yeah. part of the escalation. Next thing you it know, involves you're, people. You're the right? Hatfields and McCoys, and you're doing things that incur more guilt, more shame. And people are being damaged along the all, way. All the way along, and right. incurring more guilt, more shame, which is emotional pain, which requires you to self-medicate, which brings, once again, more negative consequences, and the, and the cycle continues and continues and, and continues. And I think what we do is we hide behind these masks of self-medication, mm-hmm. whatever they may be. Yeah. And that's, we can become seared. Right. You know? Right. And uh, so the cycle has to stop. And the great physician can do that if we trust him. Right. So um, I needed to be completely healed 100% from my drug addiction. I needed to be 100% healed from my alcohol addiction. I needed to be 100% healed from my cigarette addiction. And this is, this is the promise. I will be healed 100% from my fear addiction if I 100% trust the doctor the timing is his business and not mine. My only job is to trust, or as the Bible puts it, to you know, and participate. Participate. Right. Proverbs three verses four and five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. But it's hard. We want to direct our own path. See, and and this picture of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. In fact, that's what we've been doing. It runs such parallels with someone wanting to run their own show. We've been coming out of Egypt, running the parallels with that story and, and, and the story of recovering from sin. So let's go to Exodus 34. This is after the golden calf, the dancing, the broken tables of the law. They'd come out of Egypt, but Egypt had not come out of them. And that's the main thing. Egypt had not come out of them. This is what the whole process is about, is God getting Egypt out of us. Getting that bondage released. Mm -hmm. Right. So Exodus 34, uh, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tables of stone like the first, and I will write on the tables the words that were written on the first tables which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. So what is written on the tables? It, the law the is law. written on the tables. Yeah, So, and, and what, what's the law for once again? The law is to protect the immature until they become mature enough to protect themselves. 
That's why we make rules and more rules and more rules because we are immature. You see, the mature don't need rules. They do what's right because it is right. I always find that I obey the speed limit rules when I'm on time. And if I'm not, then look out. If you're in a hurry, right. if you're being selfish, <laughs> right. speed, self-preservation, self-preser- I got to get there. You got to get there. Right. Yeah. And so you know, now the, now the, all the rules go out of, out of the, you know, well, the law becomes a hindrance right. when we become selfish. Right. But if we're not selfish, does law, the law you're, is not. You're just, you're, you're going you're according to the law. So they don't have to be offered a reward or to be threatened by punishment in order to, to persuade them to do what's right. The mature can be trusted. This is what the Bible means when it says that we are no longer under the law. The mature are not under the direction of the law because by nature they do what's contained in the law. Paul speaks about Gentiles who have never even heard the name of Christ as falling into this category. Yeah, we can find that in Romans 2.14. The Bible says, For when the Gentiles without the law have a natural desire to do the things in the law, they are a law unto themselves. Because the work of the law is seen in their hearts, their sense of right and wrong giving witness to it, while their minds are at one time judging them and at another time giving them approval. Right. So these people's conscience, consciences are healthy. They're mature people. Even though they haven't had to be told what's right or wrong, selfish or unselfish, they are mature enough to know the difference and they act accordingly. This is what God is after. He's after people who have the law written on their hearts. They do what's right because it is right, because it's the right thing to do, even if it means checking their ego at the curb, if you know what I'm saying. So how can you tell who's winning an argument and who's losing an argument? I think, go ahead. Usually the one that's losing the argument is the one speaking the loudest Mm -hmm. because he doesn't have the truth on his side. All he has is the volume knob. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, right. And so well, that's what I mean by checking your ego at the curb. Sometimes it's better, you know, you have the right to stay quiet. <laughs> Even if you think you're yeah. right or, yeah. or, or not, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go see what Moses runs into this time when he heads up the mountain. Okay. So Exodus 34, 4 and 5. So Moses cut two tables of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hands two tables of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Okay. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Now he's proclaiming his name. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So according to this, what is the name of the Lord? It's his character traits. And what are they again? Merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, faithfulness and forgiveness. Does that mean that the people in Revelation chapter 14, the 144,000 who have the Father's name written in the foreheads, have these character traits? Absolutely. And so Revelation 14.1 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his Father's name written in their foreheads. Yeah, these are mature people. If you read down a little farther, it says they have no guile in their mouth. They don't say bad things. These people are grown up. They act like people 
uh, Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he says love is patient and it's kind. It's not jealous or conceited or proud. And love is not ill-mannered or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but is happy with truth. Love never gives up and its faith, hope, and patience will never fail. You, you see, the Bible is about character transformation, about becoming a new creature. See, healthy, healed people who have allowed God's perfect love to cast out every ounce of fear in their being, and they won't even be afraid of dying. The Bible says that they love not their lives even unto death. And this is what God wants for all of his children, to grow up and be mature thinking individuals that they understand that they don't have to live in fear that they have learned through practice how to treat people with kindness and love that's like paul says in philippians yeah philippians 2 1 he says and this is just beautiful he says your life in christ makes you strong and his love comforts you you have fellowship with the spirit and you have kindness and compassion for one another i urge you then to make me completely happy by having the same thoughts, sharing the same love, and being one in soul and mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast, but be humble towards one another, always considering others better than yourselves. And look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. Wow, that that's definitely grown-up grown talk. Grown-up talk. Right. It, isn't it? Isn't it that what we're always trying to teach our children? Why? So why don't we adhere to the teaching ourselves? You know, you need to treat everybody correctly so that they'll treat you correctly. Uh, it's it's crazy. And so when someone tries to go around us on the freeway, we let them instead of speeding up. You know, could it be possible that they might be stressed out and need to get somewhere quickly? Do do we do, know? Do we know? We don't. You no. know, we don't know what anybody's going through. You know, am I the most important person waiting in the doctor's office? I'm the worst at that. Hmm. You know, I'm not grown up in that regard. I torture myself by taking on the mindset that I should be seen right away. You know what I mean? I'm the most important per person in that waiting room. What I, where I've got to go next is more important than, where than, everybody, I, than else. everybody else. And what the doctor may be doing, yeah. delivering a, a, you know, a terminal diagnosis it, yeah. to somebody. No, I am more important. See, and that selfishness is an infection. It's a disease, a blindness, if you will, that causes us to be blind to the very disease that we have. Right, it, and it just pervades all of our lives yeah. in many different areas. Yeah. Um, let's go back to Exodus and this gracious God that we've been talking about. And we can re reread Exodus 34, 7, and let's notice something about what it says keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What does that mean? Yeah, I've heard some pretty ugly things about that. Uh, on that, what God does. What God does. But, but the Bible really here is simply stating the fact that God will allow those who want to deviate from his design to pass their heredity and their cultivated tendencies towards evil down to their children through the generations. He doesn't have to do anything. 
things will just get worse. Literally chips off the old block, following in mom and dad's footsteps, like father, like son, and all the other cliches that we use. Right. It's God. God is just saying when he when he when that statement is in the Bible, what he's saying is this is how my natural laws work, and I'm not going to intervene to stop it. I'm going to take. A, I'm not going to take away anybody's freedom. And you'll find this theme throughout the Bible where God is allowing something to happen, meanwhile taking credit for the act simply by not stopping it. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think of this story of King Saul when he, when he's, when he goes into battle ill-advised, he's, you know, and he goes against the counsel of the Lord. And, and if you look in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 3, it talks about this situation when Saul, after he's in this ill-advised battle, that he gets himself in a pickle, and, and it says that the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest the uncircumcised come and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell on it. But if you look in First Chronicles ten thirteen, the Bible says, So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Wow. So seems like it's a contradiction. Yeah, it seems like a contradiction unless you understand design law and how God's universe works. Saul was free not to take the advice of the Lord and go into battle, which he did. Right. He was free to consult a medium and distance himself from God, mm-hmm. which he did. Mm-hmm. And so when it came down to, to it, God didn't kill Saul. Saul killed himself. By going into the battle, he was advised not to, then falling on his own sword. That's what the story tells us. But because God allowed it to happen, which is unnatural for God to allow his children to die, Mm -hmm. God takes credit for it. Right. You see, when we follow the Lord, we allow him to do great things for us. But if we go our own way, he honors that choice. Now, notice this promise that God makes to the Hebrews next. And we wonder what history would have been like if they would have moved forward into Canaan when God commanded them. So we're going to go to Exodus 34, 10. The Lord said to Moses, I now make a covenant with the people of Israel. In their presence, I will do great things such as I have never done anywhere on the earth among any of the nations. All the people will see what great things I, the Lord, can do because I am going to do an awesome thing for you. Obey the laws that I am giving you today. I will drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perit. What's that one? The Perizzites. Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites as you advance. Okay, so God is saying that he's going to drive them out. You know, it was never God's intentions that they fight their way into Canaan. He says in Exodus 23, 7, he says, I will send my terror before you and will throw confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. I will send the hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you. 
until you have increased and possessed the land. See, God's telling each one of us that he will move the obstacles if we move forward. What happens is, is that fear sets in, just like it did with the Hebrews, and we don't move forward. And if we don't move forward and we fail, God brings us back to the same point, and the second time the trial will most likely come closer to home and will be more severe than the previous one. That's right. This God will allow it until we endure or we are still rebellious. If we still will over time choose our own way, God will eventually withdraw his light and reluctantly leave us in darkness. The Hebrews wandered in the wilderness because they couldn't pull the trigger. When God said, go in, I will drive your enemies out. They said no. And so they wandered and God didn't cause them to wander. Their lack of trust caused them to wander. Test after test, trial after trial. So why? This is to strengthen their characters to make them strong. Have you ever been there trying to fight and kick and scratch your way into what God has for your life and it seems to get harder and harder the more we try to avoid the pain or the discomfort of stepping out in faith? That's right. One of the hardest things for an addict to do is to go to the first NA meeting or the first church service. Now, I wonder if my history will be like if I hadn't gone to that first NA mm, meeting. Yeah. It would have been harder to go to this, go the second time if I had allowed my feelings to take over and not gone to the first one. Yeah. Do you feel like you're wandering in the wilderness? It may not be so much that we don't trust God as it may be that our God is untrustworthy. Is God saying to us, you either love me or I'll punish you? Or is he saying, love me or I will let you go? Is If God is saying, love me or I'll punish you, then he's violating one of the most important and fundamental laws of the universe, and that is the law of love. Love can't be coerced, and threatening someone with punishment is coercion. Try it on your spouse. Honey, you either love me or I'll... What? It won't work. You'll just prove that you're a bully. God is not a bully. See, it's not our lack of trust in God that's the problem. It's the lack of God's character in the God we trust that's the problem. That's right. So what does God do with those who don't love him, who go after other gods? In Judges 2.14, it says, And the wrath of God was burning against Israel, and he gave them up into the hands of those who violently took their property. Yeah, and you can go through Judges. Judges 3.8, So the wrath of the Lord was burning against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of the king of Mesopotamia. And all the children of Israel were his servants for eight years. Judges 6.1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he gave them up into the hands of the Midians for seven years. And Judges 10.6. And again, the children of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, worshiping the Baals and the gods of Aram and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistine. They gave up the Lord and they were servants to him no longer. And the wrath of the Lord was burning against Israel and he gave them up into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. So what does God do with his children who choose not to love him? He gives them up. He withdraws his protections and the consequences are awful. We hear people tell us all the time about letting the Bible interpret itself. But when it comes to God's wrath, we put our own human version, and it makes God look like a giant bully. Life on this planet without God's protection would be unbearable. And that's going to be the the worst thing that could ever happen is to be given up by to God. To be given up by God. Just let go, because he's the life giver. That and, is his strange act. Yeah, it's his strange act. And so we're, we're you know, sin punishes sin. 
And if we could understand that, we'd understand that the God that we believe in is the only thing that can help us. We need to be more afraid of sin, which is killing us, than God, who is trying to help us and get us out of trouble. Right, because God is the creator, the restorer, the sustainer. He's the one that creates life. He does not destroy life. Yeah. It's our sin and our choices that destroy us. But we become so afraid of God that we run from the only one that can heal us. So we beg for protection from the only one that can heal us. Now, if you're new to the program, you can go to our website, Listen to the programs that have already been aired. Uh, just click the Listen Now button at just www.justasiamministries.org. And uh, you can also shoot us a call, 916-645-1297, and we have free resources for you there. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain? If you or someone you know is living in the captivity of addiction and having trouble finding freedom, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself, someone you know, or your church, call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com and they'll send one to you. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Contact them at 916-645-1297 or online at justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.